This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The AFC playoff race is a dogfight already. Who you got? Your guess is as good as mine. You might as well throw these teams in a hat and then pick them and see who comes out on the other end. Not only do I think there's about five teams that legitimately could make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC, I think there's about 10 teams, maybe 11 still, that could sneak their way into a playoff spot, least of which is your Pittsburgh Steelers. They have been sitting on the inside for the past couple of weeks, but with their loss to the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, they're now on that outside spot looking in. 5-4-1 and one is just a smidge below the Buffalo Bills, who are at 6-4 and four and the 7 seed right now. What do these Pittsburgh Steelers have to do in order to get into that playoff picture? The beautiful thing is most of their opponents down the stretch, you get to do a little double damage on because not only are you getting wins if you if you win the game. You're knocking them down a peg. You're beating a team that's in the playoff spot in front of you. So you got a little chance to help yourself two times each time you get one win uh, moving forward. But before we look at you know just what has to happen, teams in front of them, who the Steelers have to pass, who it's likely that they have to pass. I don't think any of this is possible until the offense starts to correct its problems in the red zone. Um, We're going to talk about the Bengals up close and personal in another episode we do today. But, Jacob, one thing they do so well is score touchdowns in the red zone. They 69% of the time, the Bengals punch it into the end zone when they get into the red zone. That's one of the best marks in the NFL, and that's the kind of efficiency that you don't need the Steelers to have because that's, like I said, one of the best, but you'd like it to trend more towards that direction. Steelers not only aren't getting it into the end zone once they get into that red zone territory, the play calling is just completely backwards. So first things first, got to fix your own stuff before you can start worrying about other people, and I, I think that's the biggest thing they got to worry about fixing. Absolutely, Tom. When you can't score points and your defense is as bad as it is, very uncharacteristically, very uncharacteristically this year, then you're going to lose these games. And that's exactly what happened. The fact that the Steelers put on that rid- ridiculous show in the fourth quarter in Los Angeles was something we have not seen for the past, what, two years? Oh, yeah. Dating back to last season, even when they were really struggling to put up points, even with a healthy Ben and and a, and a good offense and good weapons. So, yeah, when you add those two factors together, you're going to lose. But the most frustrating part is the fact that you have the players available to you. It's just the play calling and the execution of those plays is so bad that it's no shock that they're not getting into the end zone. Yeah, Even if they're only 20 yards out. Yeah, I do think they have the players that can get the job done. I think especially they have the player that can get the job done. That's number 22. Mm-hmm. And it took that pass interference against Chase Claypool on the second go-around of first and goal uh, against the Chargers for Matt Canada to put in Derek Watt and to put in Zach Banner as a tackle eligible and beef up the front and have Najee jump over a a skyscraper basically looking like Superman with a cape out there as he got his way into the end zone to finish off that drive. I mean, if it takes you that long to go to what's so obvious to all of us, I mean, no wonder it feels like pulling teeth every time they get into the red zone and no wonder 
when that ball skipped out of bounds at the three after the block punt uh, by Miles Killebrew, I was saying, and I'm sure a lot of you were saying, well, we might have just cost ourselves four points there because if he didn't scoop and score, I don't know how the offense is going to put it into the end zone. Same thing, Tom, that happened on the first possession, or I'm sorry, the second possession with the long the long pass to Chase Claypool. If Ben throws that ball on a perfect route, Chase Claypool doesn't have to stop to adjust because it's a little underthrown. The Steelers put up seven points. Remember, they went for it on fourth down and didn't convert. They tried to get that full seven. Didn't get it, so... They could have gotten seven, they could have gotten three, but they came away with zero. And as you mentioned, too, it happened again much later in the game. And that's what's so crazy is last week against the Lions, I guess that'd be two weeks ago now, you saw the same thing. They just kept bonking themselves on the head when they got into the red zone and not getting the job done. Then you you see it twice the week after. I mean, this is becoming a disturbing trend, and... I'm not a betting man, except I am a betting man. You are. And I, I am would, not a betting man. I will say I will bet a hefty amount the Steelers will have a goal-to-go situation in the game against Cincinnati at some point, and I'm going to be holding my breath the whole time, man. I, I, I can't stress enough how I think this is one of the biggest problems plaguing the Steelers right now is their inability to and, – and it's not really even just the red zone. It's like in the five yard line, like it's right. the it's like the super mega red zone or something else. Like it's it's so close that your your percentage of scoring a touchdown from inside the five should be astronomically higher than what the Steelers have been converting lately. And again, the only reason they converted their most recent one was thanks to a penalty on the defense because it was a, a run play, two straight pass plays to kicking another field goal or going for it on fourth down and missing it. If that weren't the case, so. We still haven't seen Canada, I think, make the right call on his own accord. I think, A, a lot of the players, Ben particularly, were probably pushing back and saying, can we please run this football at the goal line? This isn't working. And B, I mean, it literally took getting the ball to the inch line to where you, if the center moved the ball slightly forward while he was holding it before the snap, it would break the plane of the end zone. So... If that's the circumstances that it takes to get Canada to call those kind of obvious rush plays on the goal line, I don't feel confident that he's going to have some sort of come-to-Jesus moment after that one. And I really expect to see, you know, first and six from the uh, first and goal from the six-yard line, Ben Roethlisberger motions Najee Harris out of the backfield, rolls out to his right, tries to hit Firemuth on some creative uh, inside play. I fully expect to see that moving forward. That's just what they want to do or what Canada wants to do when they get into that red zone. And it's it's just so backwards. And we say it all the time. You're just playing chess when you should be playing checkers. Mm-hmm. And you're just outthinking yourself way, way too much. I think that with the, the way the Steelers have played the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been – it's been an issue, but it hasn't been something of which has been of consequence. Right, they were on a four-game winning streak. They came away with a tie against the Lions. Felt like a loss, but by definition, not a loss. Here is where, on Sunday night against the Chargers, it really felt like a problem that was detrimental to the team because we know the Chargers can be a high-scoring offense, and given the state of the defense on Sunday, overall this year has not been great for this team. But without T.J. Watt, without Minka Fitzpatrick, without Joe Hayden... 
we, you knew that this was going to be a, a likely shootout by the Chargers, maybe just one-sided. You had no indication that the Steelers were going to be able to catch up and actually take a fourth-quarter lead with 30 points on the board by each team. That was something I had no expectation of seeing whatsoever. But the fact that you had yourself in that position, scoring all those points in the game late in the fourth quarter, this is the first time in, in over a month where I felt the red zone offense really was a problem that kept this team from winning the game, and that's exactly what happened. Another thing that the Steelers need to get back in their favor is something that they really can't control, and that's the injury bug and the illness bug, to be quite honest, the legitimate bugs that are going around, not just the Steelers, but the league in general. The Steelers and have been hit hard. I think a lot of teams have been hit hard this year. I think I think the dirty little secret is 2021's NFL season is COVID year part two. I know that there's fans in the stands, and I know that the protocols are much more relaxed. I but think more so this year. Players miss seen, games because of COVID a lot. You're a lot of more guys miss games this year than you did last year. I think that has partially to do with, yeah, of course, there's more players vaccinated and there's um, less strenuous protocols. But you can still catch it when you're vaccinated. And we know that breakthrough cases happen. And because there's less strenuous protocols, players aren't being as careful as they were last year. So I think it does make sense that you're getting that. But, it, you know, it's funny that 2020 was considered the COVID year in football and in the world, but especially in the NFL. I think 2021 is it's just as true. Big time players are missing big games because of that. And. Steelers are no exception. Ben missing a game against the Lions and Minka Fitzpatrick missing a game against the Chargers. But if they can get them healthy, especially T.J. Watt, Minka on that defensive side of the ball, I really think that the Steelers have a decent shot to beat the Bengals, to beat the Ravens. I think there's an outside shot maybe at beating the Chiefs, although the Chiefs are maybe starting to figure it out. I think the Titans are a game that's winnable, especially without Derrick Henry. I think right. Minnesota's a game that's winnable, even though that's on the road and they're on fire. But I don't think any of them are likely to be wins if you're missing the key components that you had been missing Lions week and then the Chargers week. If if you're too injured, if you're too ill, I don't think the Steelers have the depth on their side of the of on either side of the ball to pull together a couple of improbable wins without their stars. This is a team that needs their stars. No, I mean, it's pretty obvious. We, we, we're seeing it in, in, full, in full force what this, team is, what this team looks like without their stars. So that came against the L.A. Chargers. That is one of seven playoff teams, one of seven or six or eight playoff teams they have left remaining on their schedule. And if they have to go up against these playoff teams like Baltimore twice and, and Kansas City and Minnesota and Tennessee and, and Cleveland again, all the teams you listed, Tom, then it's not going to look pretty. We talked about the importance of stacking wins early in the season. Get to 6-3 and three before you face off against the LA Chargers to put yourself in the best position possible. So even if you play these good teams down the stretch or even if you have some injuries, you could still maybe manage, when you're healthy for those certain weeks, maybe three more wins to get you to 9-8 and eight and possibly a playoff position. Now, going into Week 12 with a 5-5-1 five and five and one record, or a 5-4-1 and four and one record, it's not looking good. Especially if the injuries continue to make its impact felt. Certainly, 
when it comes to the injuries of TJ Watt, then this team can look really, really bleak. And this may be the first losing season we see in the Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger era. Right, and I don't want to make any excuses, but that would be the excuse, right? Is that it wasn't a full, fully healthy for a full workload amount of season that Mike Tomlin had at his disposal, especially with TJ in that defensive side of the ball. You know, I keep waffling back and forth. Who's who's the most important? You know, we said at the beginning of the year when it was Ben and TJ on the injury report, well, we'd rather have TJ than Ben, and that's shocking. And then after the Lions game, we completely changed our tune. Well, honestly, probably rather have Ben than TJ. You need them both. I don't think that the Steelers can win football games without number seven on the offense and without number 90 on the defense. I think, I think just having one of those guys in the equation, well, well we saw what happens. It doesn't get the job done. I mean, you tie the Lions with just TJ on the defensive side, and he didn't even get to finish the game because after he got one of his league-leading sacks or up towards the top of the league lead in sacks, he hurt his hip, and he had to leave for the remainder of the game, and he didn't play last week against the Chargers. But Ben comes back, and I think Ben had maybe – you know what? I will say it. Ben had his best game of the season. He was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Justin Herbert, putting up numbers. If if you picked him in fantasy this week, you're you're really happy with Ben's performance. He, he put up some actual numbers, uh, but he didn't have that guy on the other side of the ball mm. that could disrupt things for the Chargers. So – we, we waffle back and forth. Well, we'd rather have 90. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'd rather have seven. Well, you know what? Now I think I'd rather have 90. You need both of them. If they're both not in, I don't think you have a real shot. But if you get two of them in the lineup, I think you can beat anybody in the NFL. Well, we saw what the offense looked like without Ben Roethlisberger against Detroit, and we've seen what the defense looks like without T.J. Watt. It's night and day for both, right? And I don't know, Tom, which one do you think performs worse without the other, the defense without T.J. or the offense without Ben? I think that the offense without Ben, even though it looked like a rudderless ship at times with Ben this year, I mean, it was just they were completely lost without him, especially when they were trying to march down the field to make the comeback. I know Mason didn't necessarily not make those throws because they were fumbled, but then there's the layups to McLeod and Deontay Johnson that Mason did miss. Um, with the defense, yeah, they gave up some big plays, of course, without T.J. Watt. But the splash was still there because of Cam, because right. he forced then, that big turnover. Does he, Justin Herbert run for nearly 100 yards if T.J. Watt's in the game? Probably. You think so? I think so, yeah, because that's just one side of the field. And Herbert, I think, showed he showed a lot in that game, but one thing that he showed, a tremendous amount of, of pocket presence and the ability to know where the pressure's coming and where to bail at. So I think he would have been able to get away from – a healthy T.J. Watt maybe tracks him down more times than not, but a T.J. Watt, Watt from the Green Packers Day, game, yeah. which I think would have been the T.J. Watt we would have gotten if he tried to go. He was definitely not 100%. Probably not able to do that. I understand what you're saying about the pocket presence, and, and Mike Tomlin and everybody and their mother has mentioned that that's one of his greatest strengths is his pocket presence, Justin Herbert's. However – that's that's a pocket presence that is a normal collapsing pocket, and you don't have to worry about one specific guy who can just get to you no matter who's in front of him. If it's T.J. Watt, a fully healthy T.J. Watt, I think you have to throw that that accolade or that, that compliment of Justin Herbert out the window because T.J. Watt's pocket presence is not normal. His disruption of the pocket is not normal, so... Yes, Justin Herbert does have good pocket presence, but I would like to see what it actually looks like against a healthy T.J. Watt. 
unfortunately, we unless, didn't get that chance. unless the Steelers make the playoffs and the Chargers make the playoffs and win a couple games and somehow meet, we will not get to see that chance until perhaps next season. All right, looking at the AFC playoff picture right now, Steelers are in eighth place. That's one spot behind the Buffalo Bills, who they have the tiebreaker over, but that pesky tie is now last week when it was keeping them in the five seed. The tie is now the reason why they are behind the Buffalo Bills. If they would have beaten the Lions and been 6-4 and four like Buffalo, then your Pittsburgh Steelers would have been sitting at the 7th seed. But alas, could not get that job done. They sit at number 8, but they play the team at number 5. They play the team at number 4. They play the team at number 2 twice, and they play the team at number 1 once. So like we said, there's that double damage you can do uh, Titans, Ravens, Pats, and Chiefs are your division leaders. Bengals, Chargers, Bills are all your wild cards. The Steelers have the same amount of losses as all three of those wild cards. That pesky tie, though, just keeping them in the rearview mirror. I think the game against Cincinnati this Sunday is not only winnable for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's a must win, uh, and I know it's still kind of early to Tom, say that. Every game moving forward, Tom, I think is a must win. I don't care how early it is. If you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, given the state of your team on offense and defense, given the expectations of your team, and given the crowded the, the crowded look of the AFC playoff race and the wild card area of it, you have to win every game moving forward. Especially Every game that you don't win is a, is a huge black mark. I think especially in these division games and in these games against teams that are in the wild card hunt and the Bengals just check off both of those boxes today. If you beat the Bengals, you move into at least that six or seven spot. Maybe, who knows, the Chargers get upset by the Broncos. I I don't see that happening. Uh, Maybe the Bills struggle against the Saints on Thanksgiving. Bills at New Orleans ain't a lock. I mean, I don't know who wins that game. These it, teams are both equally perplexing, yeah. and I think maybe it's the Bills just because the Saints are becoming more predictable with Trevor Simeon. Um, but they're both teams that have just had you scratch their head. The Saints on the side of well, they should not be beating the teams that they've beaten. They've even had a loss to the Giants in there too, where you're like, well, they shouldn't have lost to that team. And then the Bills are all just, well, what are they doing? Why are they struggling against this team? Why did the Colts just go into Buffalo and just kick their ass for 60 straight minutes? I mean, they are an enigma of a team. And, yeah, if they lose that game against the Saints, Steelers beat the Bengals. At worst, you're sitting in the sixth seed again. At best, the Chargers get upset, too, in a crazy NFL you're right back in the five seed, right where you were when you dropped out after you lost to the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. So there's still a lot of opportunity for the Steelers to move up in these standings and to move themselves up. So mm-hmm. you do not need to have the, oh, woe is me, we're dead and gone. Oh, we need a lot of help from other teams in order to get in. No, I know you're not in right now, but you still control your own destiny as far as getting into this playoff. And in a weird way... You know, this murderer's row stretch run that we've been kind of worried about all year long is now kind of helpful because you dug yourself a hole you didn't want to dig at this point. You wanted to be 7-3 and three probably at this point in the year based on how soft your early season schedule was. Well, 6-3 and three going into the Chargers game, 7-3 and three 
Uh, I don't know. If I think really... you could have pulled out seven and three, six and four at the worst is what you wanted sure, to be right now. Sure, sure, sure. But you lost that tie, and I noticed I said lost that it, tie. It, is, it feels like a loss. It is, especially now when it's keeping you right out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's going to be the trend that continues, not the other way around where the tie helps keep you in. It's the same thing that happened in what twenty eighteen. Exactly, exactly, and I feel that train coming down the tracks again. Uh, if they even get to the point where you're knocking on the door. But, again, that stretch run, now all of a sudden you're kind of thankful in a weird way that it's a bunch of AFC teams that are contending for the playoffs because you need to beat those teams and jump those teams. So a little blessing in disguise maybe that you're going down murderer's row. I kind of like to be thankful. What what a great way to Uh, And you know what? It's tis the week to be thankful. On Thanksgiving, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean – it's it's gonna be tough, and that you're just gonna look back at the end of the season. I feel like Tom, and you're gonna see that tie, and you're gonna say, "What happened there?" Oh yeah, that's gonna haunt me forever. I mean, especially with the team that you tied. You know, if you tied a bet, if, if if the Detroit Lions go zero and sixteen and one, it's gonna feel horrible. Oh my gosh, and I think they're going to. Although. This week might be the week that they get off the schneid. I don't know who they play. They play the Bears. Is it Chicago? Who's starting Andy Dalton. But the only problem is the Lions are starting Tim Boyle. So it's gonna be enjoy your game. turkey day, noon 30 it's kickoff. It's a pretty abysmal day of football for Thanksgiving this year. It really is. Sometimes they, sometimes it's all three matchups are great, and sometimes all three matchups are eh, disgusting. Eh. Eh, most of the time the first one's bad because the Lions it's, have it's to play. It's the Lions. It. There were a couple of years when Matt Stafford – like the two years he took into the playoffs, those games were good. I remember the one year they beat the Patriots. Yeah, you're right. They, they've had their moments in the this. This is not going to be a moment no. for the Lions. That's going to be. You if got, anything, it could be a moment because they get their first win. You got to gamble on the game. I mean, I'm just I'm telling you folks out there, you got to gamble on the game, or else it's just not going to be entertaining. Um, I, I want to make it clear that although we're looking at the conference race and the wild card race right now. The division is still not out of the question for the Steelers, especially Wild when. About. But it's not because they're only one loss behind the the Ravens in the loss column. I, I know they're two behind in the win column, but you get the Ravens two times again this year. And on top of that, the team in second place, the Bengals, you get for the second time this coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. Beat the Bengals and see what you can do against the Ravens. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, you can sweep the Ravens because I don't think you can sweep the Ravens. But what if you do sweep the Ravens? You know. This has been a very strange 2021 NFL season. You still could beat the Bengals this Sunday, take care of business twice against the Ravens, and if you pull off another win against the Browns on Monday Night Football at the second to last week of the season, that's your division right there. I mean, you're going to win the division. So despite the fact that they are two games back in the win column, one game back in the loss column, work around right around one and a half games back of the Ravens, just like I said, you control your own destiny even though you're on the outside looking in in the wild card race. You very much so control your own destiny in the division race still, too. Absolutely. And I, I really did not believe that this deep into the season the Steelers would be in a position to control their own destiny to win the AFC North. I don't think it's going to happen, Tom. Do you think it's more on the Steelers staying afloat or are the other teams just struggling more? Oh, absolutely the latter. There's just if not. If, if Lamar Jackson is fully healthy all year long, and he he's available for the Chicago game. That's I don't think that's a game. If the Browns if, are healthy if, all if, year if long, if they have the running backs too, if they have Marcus Peters available to them, it doesn't matter. That team is 
that team right now is the best team in the division. I'd say if the, if the Browns, Browns had their Nick running Chubb, backs. If the Browns have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt yeah. all season long, there's no doubt they're winning more games. I don't is Kareem Hunt coming back sometime soon? I don't know that he still is stuck on IR right now. I didn't think it was a season ending injury. It wasn't. So I expect him to be back at some point in the second half of the and season. If, and if Nick Chubb, of course, can stay healthy. Yeah, they're they're a different team when he's out there. Of course, it just was in a weird way. He he put up the 130 yards. It wasn't game breaking though. Well, I, it wasn't I game breaking, but it, it was, was the reason why they won. It was a quiet 130 yards. They were gonna lose it that. Wasn't, it wasn't like the the performance he had against uh, the Bengals, where he had that 75 touch yard yard. It was just the Nick Chubb show all day long. The I think the big thing holding that team back is of course Baker Mayfield. But they've had their injuries on defense too. The, Some only, the only one team I, I don't, I don't think is is a legitimate threat to win that division, is Cincinnati. Just because they're not there yet, right? Just because they still need to learn how to win. If they beat Pittsburgh on Sunday, Yee. then I'll take them. Then then it's a different conversation. As far as the teams that are right behind Pittsburgh in the uh, playoff picture, but are at or above 500, the Colts and the Browns are both at six and five. So the tiebreaker helps the Steelers in that category, keeping them ahead of those two teams. The Raiders and the Broncos are both five and five. The Dolphins are four and seven and have a really soft schedule. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're just going to be an annoying team down the stretch that might annoying team sneak to- up to eight nine. Flirt around the uh, playoff picture, but eventually not make it. An annoying team to other AFC teams, not the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's a good point. Maybe, maybe play I them. wouldn't mind them being a little, a little pest to these other AFC teams. Raiders and Broncos, who are at five and five, though, I honestly might have more faith in the four and seven Dolphins than I do those two teams. I, I think the Broncos are done and have been frauds all year, and I think the Raiders are a good team that had too much dumpster fire around them to too many salvage anything. Yeah. So. I think those two teams fall off. One team the that Colts me, are the team I, that's uh, like. Damn it, Tom! I was, I was about to say the one team behind the Steelers that scares me is the Indianapolis. Colts. Not only for the playoff race, if you're the Steelers, but like any AFC team sees Indy in the first round, I'm like, gulp. Uh, that's not that great because uh, they're the hottest team in football right now. Is Jonathan Taylor now a a front runner for the MVP? That's been the hot topic all week since he had his big performance. Hey, I told Buffalo. when we were filling in for in the locker room on Monday, I told you. I said I think JT's rocketing up the I think MVP offense, award. Or I keep saying rookie offensive player of the year for sure. He's in that race. MVP though, it's just so likely to go to a quarterback, and more than likely to go to a quarterback named Tom Brady sure. because I mean it's Tom Brady. The voters would love nothing more than to give him another trophy. Lord knows he's hurting for more trophies. But, yeah, the Colts scare the hell out of me more than the Browns scare the hell out of me, honestly. And uh, it's the, kind of ironic Right now the Patriots they, are the hottest team, I'd say, in oh, the course. NFL they're, they're and the AFC. Of, they're ahead right. of the Steelers. They're at the top of their division. You don't have to worry about the Patriots. No, different, they're luckily prob- you don't even yeah. have to play them. Exactly. Year. So my, my point about the Colts is it's kind of ironic how they came to a head with Buffalo this weekend. Those teams are kind of trending in the opposite direction. They're like ships passing in the night. And they just kind of passed each other on the way. The Colts beat the Bills and are continuing on the uptrend. The Bills have lost now two or three and are just continuing to fall down in the standings. Although the Titans and the Ravens are the top two teams right now, as far as the AFC is concerned. I don't expect them to stay I think the Pats, Chiefs, and the Colts are the three teams playing the best football. Patriots, Chiefs, and the Colts. The Colts may be I'm, – I'm just a little hesitant just because they have more losses than the Patriots and the, and the Chiefs. 
They also don't have Bill Belichick as their head coach, Andy Reid as their head coach, or Pat Mahomes as their quarterback. That's a really good point. Those are some pretty heavy hitters that the Chiefs and the Patriots boast. The Colts have Carson Wentz and potentially an Frank MVP in Jonathan Taylor. Frank Wright got the most out of Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, he and he's, he's getting a lot out of Carson Wentz right now in Indianapolis. That's for sure. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. As always, we are greatly appreciative of you giving us a listen. Keep an ear out for some later episodes we do this week. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.